Good morning. This is Dina Marie, host of Faith Moments with a Franciscan moment on Matre Day Radio. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, Jesus asks his disciples a critical question that will determine their relationship with the master. Who do you say that I am? We discover in this account that Peter responds with a great profession of faith. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. But who do we say Jesus is? Our genuine answer to that question guides us in our vocation and how we choose to live our life out with Christ. With me today to discuss his vocation story to the priesthood and his journey to Christ through the example of St. Francis is Franciscan friar, Father Dan Petit. Father Dan, thanks for coming back and being willing to share a little bit about your own vocation story. Good morning. Well, good morning, Dean and Marie. Yeah, it's, uh, this is probably one of the easier uh, conversations I've had to prepare for because <laughs> life has prepared me for this one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, let's start off a little bit about where you grew up and a little bit about the faith formation in the home, your family. You know, what was that like? How did you get introduced to Catholicism? Well, I was, uh, I'm a cradle Catholic. Yeah, I was born. Uh, my father had five of us, one of whom didn't make it, was uh, a miscarriage just before I was born. So he was a student at Notre Dame. We were all baptized there at the Basilica on the campus, uh, Sacred Heart. And I was baptized and named after a Holy Cross priest, Father Daniel Joseph O'Neill. And we moved from uh, there, after my father graduated to Minneapolis, which is where I grew up, and it was a Catholic home. We continued, we kept practicing the faith, going to Mass on Sunday. And uh, that was my introduction to the Catholic life. It was always part of the family from the, the day I was born, you know. Now, you had a connection with Holy Cross early on. Where was the connection with the Franciscans? Well, that's uh, that gets into the vocation question, because uh, Franciscans, I never even knew they existed until yeah. uh, I was 20 years old. And I went away, well, actually 19 years old, and I went away to a seminary that was run by the, t the community I now belong to in, in Pennsylvania. Um, I did have Benedictines at my high school from Collegeville. I grew up in Minneapolis, and I graduated from Benilde. St. Margaret's High School, which was at that time at least, um, had uh, the Benedictines of Collegeville running it. So I knew them. And then, of course, I knew the Jesuits because I was a, a pre-med student at Creighton, which is a Jesuit university. And the I'd follow a good Jesuit into the kingdom any day because two, two Jesuits figured pivotally in helping me discern my vocation uh, the, the first one was Father Jim Hoff, a wonderful Jesuit. He was teaching us at, at Creighton University um, a course in medical ethics. And the first thing he had us do in our course, this was my first semester, second semester, sophomore year, he had us write an essay, why do you want to be a doctor? Hmm. And I wrote to him why I was questioning being a doctor and why I might be wondering if I wanted to be a priest. And he simply wrote in the margin, come and see me. And that was the beginning of the conversation. I think he was hoping I would eventually be a Jesuit. Um, but yeah. true to their charism of discernment, he helped me understand, you know, go to this seminary out in Pennsylvania, which I did. And then there was another Jesuit, Father Bill Lynn, S.J., who was at the seminary teaching 
our seminary, which is now closed, but it was announced in um, February 79, 1979, that it was closing, and I took a retreat out with Father Bill, and it was an eight-day, and I never experienced, I, I learned the meaning of spiritual exercise in that retreat, because you really, he exercised me. Five hours of prayer a day, I had never done that before. And in that retreat, again, with this, uh, with Father Bill, the Jesuit, I discerned the TOR Franciscans, and that's how I came to them. Wow. I'm talking with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar, and we've had so many Franciscan moments. I thought we'd have a little opportunity to hear the the walk of just really hearing that call to the priesthood and becoming a Franciscan friar. It, growing up, you mentioned so uh, four other siblings, three other siblings, a Catholic home. What about the home life, the parish life? It sounds like you went to Catholic schools. How do you see that impacting your ideas about who am I called to be? What is God calling me to be? Well, there's two levels to respond at. There's a, a kind of a subconscious level impact that I had from the first pastor at my parish. And he was uh, Monsignor Fenlon, who actually contracted polio mm. and was in a wheelchair. He eventually died, of course, when I was a boy. But I used to serve mass for him in second and third and fourth grade. And just this priest in this wheelchair preaching and having mass left such an impression on me. Uh, I didn't realize it until later when I actually began to pursue the vocation, the impression it left. And then his the person that replaced him was Monsignor Stan Cernitz, who was a wonderful priest um, from the Archdiocese of Minneapolis. And he asked me in seventh grade, would you like to go to the high school seminary? And I said, no, I don't think so. I'm going to go to the regular high school. Then he asked me as a junior in high school, so would you like to go to the college seminary of the archdiocese and consider the priesthood? And I said, no, I'm going to go and be a pre-med student. And those invitations, I, those are important invitations. I, I'd say this to any priest out there, um, you know, ask, because I, I, I've noticed this in the gospel. Jesus had to ask the men to follow him. And whereas you know, the women, they they were just, they, they came along as he they heard his preaching, they, they began to be attracted to him, his teaching. But the men, they had to be asked, you know, he'd say, follow me, you know. And how many said no? We don't know. But 12 said yes, and it's important. So those two asks were very important when two years later, after telling Monsignor, no, I don't have a vocation, I'm going to be a doctor, Two years later, the questioning started within me, and I thought back to those questions. I thought, i got to give him a call. Did he see something? And, of course, he did. He thought, I I saw something in you. I thought maybe you might have a vocation. You know, mm -hmm. Right. And it sounds like part of that asking are planting the seeds we plant. We don't know when they're ready to take root and to start to grow. And so those planting seeds, asking those questions, making a vocation be part of what I consider as I grow and mature in my faith life. And so God bless those priests. Right. No, it's true. Asking. It is. And and I, I'm so grateful to these priests that I grew up with in my parish. Uh, my father was on the parish council. Um, 
And of course, family life had its struggles. Uh, it turned out both my parents actually were alcoholics. Um, and it wasn't a perfect family. And I don't think there is any perfect family, really. But the amazing thing is God is still capable of reaching us through these weak instruments. Um, my mother, when I was about nine or ten, she got she stopped. She got on the wagon and really she realized what was going on and she had to stop. And my dad stopped when I was a freshman in college and they both were, they were good people, uh, but you know, flawed like all of us, but um, the call of God still was able to come through. Uh, and we kept practicing the faith. Um, they gave me the faith. I have a lot of gratitude to my parents for the gift of faith they've given me. You know? Right. When you entered into college, was there a sense of a Catholic community going to mass? Was that still part of your journey as you go into this next level of education and then being away from home? Sometimes we can fall from that practice. Yeah, it's it's amazing. That's something I never did fall away from was um, was uh, I never did fall away from um, going to mass and even occasionally going to confession uh, on Sunday. I went to Mass on Sunday. But I I was pretty much, I think, in many ways, I, I guess, a nominal Catholic. I, I was I was doing that, and it was minimal. Uh, it was minimal, you know. And then I'd go to confession. I remember going to confession maybe a couple of times. But there were a lot of my peers around me that weren't. None of us really were that concerned with the religion that I recall. Right. I mean, it was there that the you know the Jesuits yeah, had a great pastoral presence on campus and the like, but I just didn't really take it that seriously and, until I started getting these questions in my second semester sophomore year. Yeah. Well, that's a great place for us to take a pause. Again, I'm with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar. We're getting a little bit into his vocation story and his road to the priesthood and also into the Franciscan community. But we are coming up to a break. Father, hold on, and then we'll continue our conversation on the other side of the half hour. Sounds good. Thank you. This is Dina Marie, and I'm back with my conversation with Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar. We've been speaking a little bit about his faith formation growing up, being exposed actually to a lot of religious communities, the Jesuits, uh, some Holy Cross community. We've got the Holy Cross here at the University of Portland campus, but also at some point getting the sense of maybe I am called to the priesthood. Father, you mentioned that you were at Crichton, you were studying maybe to be a doctor, you were in medical uh, uh, student. And so where, where, if you kind of think back, where was your heart calling? Maybe it's not to be a doctor. Maybe it is to follow Christ as a priest. Tell us a little bit about that time. Well, it was a, it was a, um, a time of great questioning. That's the way I, that's the way my vocation began to, I guess, germinate within me. It was a questioning about whether God was calling me to be a priest and it wasn't like I could avoid it. It was like um, it was just there. And uh, that's one of the things I learned over the years in terms of discernment, rules of discernment. If it persists, that can be an indicator. It's the Lord because the devil tends to be more impulsive mm. and he wants you to act on impulse. Whereas if it persists, I mean, it's like and that's what this was. It was a questioning in my soul. 
And it was just relaying that to a, a Jesuit priest in a class I had on medical ethics as a pre-med student. And he said, come and see me. And that began the conversation to the point where I eventually, at that time, uh, I'll tell you this one thing. This is what released me. That semester, I kept praying and, and discerning and stuff. And I got to the summer and I was working for a biochemist at the medical school doing this chromatography. I was a chem major and stuff. And we got to be good friends well enough that I was able to share with him my concerns. I said, I'm afraid to go away and check out this priesthood question because I'm afraid if I find out it's not for me, I'll come back. And when I come to apply to med school, they'll see this gap and say, oh, Petit couldn't hold up under the pressure or something like that. And they won't let me in. And he said, well, um, I'll talk to the dean of the med school. He, he was on the medical admissions board, Dr. Ron Gohn was. So he went and talked to the dean of the med school and asked him about it. And the dean said, let Dan go away for a year and come back and we won't hold it against him when he comes to apply. So, uh, oh my God, I felt like the strings were just coming right. apart. And it just so happened I was working that summer in as an intern at a uh, uh, elderly care center in Davis County in Omaha, Nebraska. That was the summer you might recall Elvis Presley passed away. Uh -huh. Summer of 1977. And a nun came into the room giving these magazines to the elderly and she said, would you like one? And I said, sure. So I took this and she gave me a Catholic digest and I just started writing to seminaries in the back of that. And the one that came back that I attracted me was St. Francis Seminary, where I didn't have to be dedicated to a bishop. I, there was no commitment. I could come and window shop and that would be fine. So I made the decision to go there and it was St. Francis Seminary run by the TORs, my community in Loretto, Pennsylvania, and I got there in August of 1977, and would you know, I met the treasurer of the seminary, who was a Franciscan TOR brother, and he said, you were at Creighton? I said, yeah, I was, and he said, did you know Dr. John Potter? And I said, well, yeah, he's the, he's the reason I'm here. He's the dean of the med school, and he said, that's my uncle. <laughs> I thought, well, this is a small world. It's because of your <laughs> uncle that I'm here. You know, it's like I got a year to kind of look at this and see if it works out. And of course, um, here I am. You know, it kind of began to right. turn the corner. Um, of course, my brother, he had plans for us. We were both going to be doctors together. Our wives were going to be friends. Our children's play together. Cabins on the lake. He went on to eventually go to Creighton Med School and I turned away and it was sort of, a, he was the one probably that most struggled with the fact that I had gone this direction because the plans didn't quite work out, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Right. So you entered, you took that little come and see, did that just shift? Did you enter into then the seminary after that experience? I did. I was actually in the seminary. Uh, they had a college seminary program in the seminary on the diocesan side. So this is a TOR Franciscan seminary. So the TORs lived on one side of the seminary 
And then they had a diocesan seminary where they, the bishops could send their seminarians there. And I was, we had a wing on the diocesan side. And of course, we were able to have a spiritual director. Uh, I remember when I first had, when I first had my me first meeting in spiritual direction and the director described to me what it was, I remember I broke down into tears. I'd been looking, I had been searching so much and I finally found a place where I could search in earnest and it was so consoling, you know. And so that's what I did. And I started developing um, a relationship, especially to the Eucharist. I became a daily communicant, which for me, as I described to you, just going on Sundays, um, I began prayer before the Blessed Sacrament in a way I'd never conceived I ever would do that year. You know, I just did a lot of growing in the, in the spiritual life and uh, the necessary um, ingredients, if you will, to discern a vocation, to hear the call of God. Right, right. And so then you just, the TORs, that was your community. It sounds like God really planted you and, and led you exactly where he wanted you. Yeah, well, you know, if you can imagine, uh, I'm from Minnesota, you know, like Thanksgiving, uh, Easter break, things like that. The, the seminary emptied out on my side. They were all from like Jersey and Pennsylvania. They all left. So the friars would say, Dan, why don't you come over and join us? And that's how they rubbed off. I love it. I love it. Father Dan Petit, Franciscan friar, sharing a little bit of his vocational journey to the Franciscan community, the third order regulars. So 77, really kind of you entered in. When did you make your final profession with the community? Uh, well, no, 77, I got to the seminary you, yeah, in, yeah. in, in seven, 79, two years later after the seminary closed. That's when I joined the TORs. Okay. And and then I took my final vows in 1986. So okay. that would have been about seven years later. Um, and of course, ordination the year after that in 87. And um, I would like to maybe address something to uh, people that may be struggling with the uh, clergy sex abuse um, from someone that has lived through a lot of the fallout from that as priest. Uh, during the, this whole period, and even living with some uh, friars and priests and knowing priests that weren't even TOR friars that ended up um, having to leave the ministry uh, for or even become imprisoned because they committed crimes. Um, I, I would just say this, uh, and this is true, I would think, of, I think most priests would be able to admit this. Uh, I am not the moral high ground of the Catholic Church. I never have been. I got clay feet. Uh, but that doesn't that doesn't uh, mean, uh, however, that there is no moral high ground, because uh, Christ is the moral high ground in the Catholic Church, and he can never be taken down. And my responsibility as a priest has been to attempt to try to keep up with this with with Christ and it, it's not easy and I'll be the first one to say everyone needs a Jewish mother in order to do that because I know I would not be a priest today without our blessed lady Mary um she has been pivotal to helping me learn how to try at least I I fail miserably a lot of times but I'm trying at least to keep up with 
the high ground that Christ sets for for us in the church. He was taken out on Good Friday, but he came back in the resurrection and can never die again. It, it, that standard can never go away. And that's our faith. That's our faith. It's not put in the clay feet of priests, but it's 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 in Christ. And I, I just say that for people that maybe are out there struggling possibly with what they've read about on the front page of the newspapers. Um, uh, some of that is weakness. Uh, some of it is criminal. I mean, and we have we have to do what we're doing. But I mean, at the same time, the standard is still there and can never go away. Right, right. And I love, Father Dan, that you shared as you started to form that preparation for the priesthood, it was the Eucharist and Our Lady, and it's still the Eucharist and Our Lady. Those two pillars are very Eucharistic and Marian. And that's what we've learned from St. Francis's life and his example, that he kept himself tethered, you know, between the Holy Eucharist and our Blessed Mother. And that just keeps him uh, really identifying with Christ. So we're going to have to have another show just to talk a little bit more about unpacking this because we're just about at our end of our program today. But thank you for sharing. And again, it reminds us invitations are so important, looking for Christ in each person and calling that out, because so many times we don't recognize the great gifts God has given us to use, to bless and to give a praise to God. And it takes somebody else from the outside to say, hey, have you ever thought of? And we take that next step forward. So thank you for sharing a bit about that, Father Dan. Would you help us close this time leading us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness in calling us, your dedication and your consistency and fidelity. And we ask and pray for an increase in labors to come into the field, in the priesthood, religious life, uh, married life, the diaconate. We ask that you'll raise up men and women to come and serve you in the gospel. And I commend this prayer to the care of Mary, our mother, this day. And may the blessed mighty God descend upon all of us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Dan. Have a blessed day. Thank you, Gina Marie. Good to talk with you.